a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It's great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. Of course, we've been breaking down uh, the speech the president delivered just about an hour ago as it relates to inflation and gas prices, what we're paying at the pump, what we're paying at the grocery store, uh, and, of course, all the spending that's going on in our nation's capital. And here to help us break that down just a little bit better, Representative Blake Moore joins us on the line. Congressman, thanks for jumping in. Thanks for having me, and what should we talk about? There's a lot. There's a lot in there. We've been uh, breaking down the uh, president's uh, announcement today to – uh, release some of the strategic uh, petroleum reserve as uh, part of the way to try to ease gas prices. Uh, you have a, a quick take on that one? I know there's yeah, no quick take on me- it. <laughs> yeah, it's political messaging. It's political messaging right before the holidays. Um, this, this, this is not the, the strategic. The strategic petroleum reserves they're, they're for emergency use situations, catastrophic weather, wars, things like that. The, the only emergency here is is, um, is President Biden's approval rating. And we've seen this before. We saw this months ago when, when they, you know, the Biden administration will signal, oh, we need to be energy independent. We need to be, we need to have, you know, get away from fossil fuels and create this lofty, like, oh, we want, we need to do this. And then in the meantime, we have to go ask OPEC for more oil. And now we have to tap into our reserves when we're cutting out pipelines, and you know, we're we're, we're stopping leases going on on public lands and every, uh, on areas that we, we already got. There's there's still enough room on those public lands or on those those leases. To still go, but the signaling that we're moving away from this, and then at that same time, we force ourselves to go um, to take these extraordinary measures when it's not trying to overall accomplish the goal that you know pretty much everybody can be on board with. It's just it's ridiculous. Yeah, and it it is it did seem like a, a big swing there from the president uh, to say, okay, this this may uh, lower some things in a couple of weeks. Uh, so again, he's trying to he's trying to speak to that uh, thing, but he's not really quite on that thing. Uh, and it is one of those things that uh, I was disappointed uh, looking even back uh, to the bipartisan infrastructure deal. Uh, many people uh, you know, have been criticizing the president's actions today. And then, of, of course, within the bipartisan deal, uh, they're actually part of the way they were going to pay for that was the selling off of 100 million barrels from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve by 2027. Uh, and so it does seem like the president uh, bought into some political maneuvering uh, in terms of trying to at least signal that he's uh, trying to be mindful of what the American people are actually experiencing. 
Yeah, President Biden. This wasn't what he. This wasn't what he ran on when he was in the campaign. He wasn't elected to fundamentally change the approach that that we were taking, which was which was on a good path. You know, he he was elected because he was he countered. You know, people have a tough time with President Trump's demeanor and his attitude or his personality, things like that. He wasn't elected to fundamentally change everything, and he continues to have these. The, the, these um, the, the bad policy decisions that, that that bewilder people, and and that's where even even among folks that I that I interact with that you know that that were supportive of Biden, they're like, wow, he really hasn't stuck the landing on anything, mm-hmm. on anything during his time. And this is just another example that he's using political posturing to tap into our oil reserves. I mean, we're not it's not been catastrophic weather. We just need to, you know, if we want to create the right type of approach towards any of our climate challenges. America has to lead. Go look at what Representative Curtis and Crenshaw and Garrett Graves, my, my, he was actually assigned as my mentor. We all work together on our energy or our, um, our environment, you know, climate, you know, conservation task force with respect to energy as well. Like we need to have, you know, energy independence is a key thing to creating you know, the, the American way to go about to do this. We have reduced emissions more than any other country. Right. And so if we limit our, our, our momentum here over the last decade, like it's going to put us in the wrong direction. Yeah. And just looking at the overall projection, uh, almost uh, 70% of Americans believe that uh, all of the spending coming out of Washington is actually a significant factor in the inflation that they're seeing and they're experiencing, whether that's at the gas pump or the grocery store. And uh, I know the, uh, the Build Back Better Act yeah. portion uh, passed the, the House last week uh, has a uh, an uncertain future in the Senate. But as you look at all of that spending that's happened uh, during the, the course of the last nine months, uh, how do you see that? What do you see on the horizon in terms of what happens in the Senate and then uh, what might uh, be tossed back to the House? Yeah, I mean, you couldn't be more correct. And even... A member of one of Utah's chambers of commerce was in D.C. a few weeks ago, and he pulled me aside. He's like, "Is anybody surprised that if you if you throw this much money into the market, and you have a stifled workforce right now, we have workforce issues and and and, and supply issues, that you're going to see this inflation? Like that's a simple equation. And in the Build Back Better plan that was just passed in the House, it will continue to add to that. We saw from the first 1.9 trillion dollar package." They can't that all that money floods the market and you can't even use it. I mean, these are all going in the, right, the direction of continued high inflation. Uh, Build back better. It, I, I think this version is dead on arrival in the Senate. I think uh, the, the conversations and the interactions I've had with Senator Manchin are, you know, they've been sincere. It's clear that uh, he's he's not supportive of a lot of these measures. I think it'll go through some negotiations, get pared back even more. Uh, I think the Democrat majorities in both the House and the Senate are realizing how unpopular these things are, uh, and um, they continue to winnow it, winnow it, winnow it down. They feel like, oh, we have to use this reconciliation package because you know we may not have the majorities much longer, so we have to get through as much stuff as possible. Instead of doing what like the economy and American people need, they're looking at this as, oh, we've got this. We weren't expecting to have the Georgia Senate uh, go our way. Um, we need to go as fast as possible, and that's not what America's saying. <laughs> that's They're right. saying hold off. Yeah, I, and I think uh, Joe Manchin has been the chief uh, breakmaster, uh, I think, for the country in terms exactly. of saying not quite so fast. Let's deal with this inflation stuff first, 
Uh, Congressman, before I let you go, uh, as we are rolling into our Thanksgiving celebrations here over the next few days, we don't think they should be <laughs> confined to, to one day. Uh, you've been back uh, for almost a year now as a member of Congress. Tell us something that has surprised you back there, something that you're grateful for that you've learned or seen or experienced uh, in our nation's capital. Oh, thanks. It is a good time to reflect, and and uh, I'll, I'll switch gears because I, I am frustrated <laughs> a lot of policy stuff. But, um, I, you know, with respect to back there in Washington, um, there is good relationships with people, and, and and I think Americans need to know that that there are there is there is a lot of vitriol and a lot of rhetoric that gets passed, but those are by small small few. Mm-hmm. It's not the majority of people that truly want to serve their constituents. Um, but I I mean at a, at a time of Thanksgiving, my, my I can't not think about exactly what's close to me. Um, we got three little boys. My wife is almost due. She's due at the end of next month. She's been through an amazing a lot these last several months um, with me being gone and the boys still just thriving. Um, I'm really grateful for that. We have an amazing, you know, we have an amazing kindergarten teacher uh, for my little boy with, with autism. Um, he's on the spectrum and, and he's, he's in a regular scheduled kindergarten class and mm-hmm. just doing so amazing. And so there are, there are strong communities around us and that's the stuff to celebrate. Yeah, fantastic. Congressman Blake Moore, thanks so much for carving out a little time for us today. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Uh, best to your wife as she comes down the, the home stretch there, and uh, we'll look forward to a new addition uh, to the Moore family coming up soon. Thank you so much, Boyd. All right. Uh, we're going to go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to look at what's happening uh, in so many places as we have this growth and demand for housing Uh, We're going to look at gentrification of Salt Lake City. What does it really mean as that turnover happens, as uh, people move in, move out? Uh, What does that all mean? We're going to break it down coming up next. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.